Oh, there's. Oh my god. Previously on Booze and Buffy. Slightly after the middle of the season. Yeah, we're episode 14 of 22. Yeah, so, so about two thirds of the way through. Right, and you have the most shocking development. Mm-hmm. You have this ultimate betrayal, and it doesn't happen too early in the series, it doesn't happen too late in the series. It it happens kind of right at the perfect moment, and nothing in the show is the same after this. I feel like this is like probably even more than Prophecy Girl is probably like the time when Joss Whedon really mm-hmm. just like slaps every Buffy viewer across the face and is like, "Hey, this is the show. This is what the show is going to be." Yeah, there. Everything up to this point has been predicated on like dislike. Yeah, dislike. <laughs> like I mean, hate fucking without the fucking. And <laughs> they think is angel. Mm-hmm. The lights go out. The lights go. Out. Like, what's what's wrong with these lights? Angelus <laughs> is a drama queen. I was going to say theatrical, but yes, a fucking <laughs> drama queen. Remember how the master was a goddamn drama queen? <laughs> Y'all ain't seen nothing yet. Is there any Buffy Big Bad? And I'm not going to name names because I don't want to get into spoilers, obviously. But I'm thinking through. I think they're all drama queens. Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one by one, spoiler free. I'm Jason, one of the several men that feels slightly offended by this episode. (laughs) And I'm Harrison, more commonly known by my pen name, Cousin Jordy the Werewolf. Uh, Jason, tell me what episode we're watching today. We are watching Season 2, Episode 15, Phases. This is the one where a resident of Sunnydale has a penchant for lycanthropy. Ooh. I know, right? Four dollars. And also, all men are terrible. Except Oz. And Giles. And Giles. Uh, And Larry at the end. Yeah. (laughs) But he's... he's, There's no reason for his behavior at the beginning. No. Uh, Phases was written by Rob DeHotel and Dean Vitale and was directed... By Bruce Seth Green and originally aired on January 27th, 1998. Harrison, what are we drinking today? Oh, thank you for asking, Jason. (laughs) Uh, We are drinking uh, West Sixth uh, Snake Cake Beer. Um, It is an Imperial Stout. like brewed in bourbon barrels from the West Sixth. Um, oh damn! It is yeah, yeah guys. It, it. it is a it's good st- odor. Strong. Um, <laughs> West Sixth is a brewery um, from Lexington, and um, you know here, Booze and Buffy were not the biggest fans of Lexington. However, um, I do like West Sixth quite a bit, and um, John's parents gave us this bottle. But I've actually had it before when we went on the West Six Brewery tour a couple years back when we all went down to John's parents' house. I wasn't there. Uh, our friend Jalen and I were watching the last two episodes of season six of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, a bunch of us went, though, and they were very um, generous with the samples <laughs> on the tour. Heard. <laughs> and this was the final sample they gave you, and you got a lot of it. And it's like, we were already kind of tipsy, and this is a 13% APB. A- not APB. ABV. ABV. Um, and we were just like trashed at the end of this tour. <laughs> and they have this like overpriced sandwich shop there that we were like 
We all bought food from while we were just like waiting around to sober up before we could drive fast. So, this is such a good time. So yeah, it's good though. Um, do I think you did the toast last week? Does that Probably, sound right? Yeah. Okay. I'll do it this week. Um, here's to uh, here's to terrible werewolf costumes that only get worse. Oh my gosh! Cheers! Cheers! Oh, man, that is some good shit. Is that good? Yeah. I'm not the biggest fan of stouts. I love me some stouts and porters. But I, I do like I do like this. This it, is good. I'm very particular about stouts and porters. Like, um, I, I I like some of them and I don't like others, mm-hmm. which is, I that, I, I don't know. That's, I felt like I was going to say something more profound. There's I also a pretty good hint of vanilla in here, too. Yes. Um, on the bottle, it says something about like vanilla and cocoa beans are used yeah. in there. I'm not a big fan of vanilla in general, but uh, when it's done in the right proportions with a beer, especially a stout or a porter. Mm. Have you ever had, um, I think it's Leinenkugel's Snowdrift Vanilla Porter? I believe so, once. Yeah, i not also not the biggest fan of vanilla but I really like that one. And one time, John and I made, um, we made floats we with it. Be careful and not drink this too fast. <laughs> it tastes so good. I have to drive home. <laughs> <laughs> tonight. Sucker, I made my home. Um, but no, we made these floats. We used the vanilla porter and then chocolate ice cream to make, uh, oh, to make shit, floats. It was really good. Um, but anyway, we're here to talk about, we're here to talk about phases um i this is an interesting episode i feel like sometimes it gets a little unfairly maligned um but i think that's because it comes right after innocence yeah it's it's trying to follow up one of the greatest episodes of the show yeah but i do like um how it kind of uh as we'll talk about later how it kind of maintains the uh the new status quo mm-hmm. um because, yeah, even though it seems like, oh, yeah, we're all happy-go-lucky doing our whole Monster of the Week thing, Angelus is still there. Yeah. I think it's really smart. It, obviously, they wanted to do, clearly, they wanted to follow up Innocence with a lighter story. Yeah. Definitely come down a Monster of the Week. But I think it was smart of them to um, to focus on make this episode focus on willow and oz because that is something that we know the audience is even though the stakes are lower the audience will still easily invest in so you know it's we're taking a bit of a step away from the angela stuff it's still there in the background um but we can we at least i can very easily easily invest in a willow storyline um especially when she's as cute as she is in this episode yeah, so her wardrobe's many. not the best. Oh but, my uh, god, I have some notes about it. <laughs> um, so... Can I start off right away with that smiley face backpack? Oh my gosh, so she's wearing... I wrote this down, because I was like, okay. She begins the episode wearing a red sweater with a matching hat uh, and a pink floral skirt with matching tights. And you don't see it for a while... But we're on her back, a big yellow smiley, like wa- like Walmart smile backpack. It was like it was such a funny reveal because oh it reminded me of the, the movie Horrible Bosses when like Colin Farrell's walking around in like his like button up dress shirt, and then he turns around it's a fucking like yeah. Bobby or it's a fucking bowling team shirt. Yep. 
Oh yeah, that's a movie <laughs> I've not thought about in a while. Oh, I love that movie. Um, it's good, but I feel like I haven't watched it in a while, and I feel like with the Kevin Spacey of it all, it might so be it one that I. Works out because he's like a he's an asshole. True, like, as stated in the beginning of the movie, he's a total fucking asshole. Mm-hmm. So like, if you want to see like, oh, him being an asshole, which he is in real life, yep. and then him like going to jail for being an asshole, which unfortunately hasn't happened. Yeah, but I mean, hey. A little bit of wish fulfillment. Yeah, right there. that's fair. There are several, like, um, Kevin Spacey movies that I'm like, some of them I was like, like, I watched Seven recently, and I was like, yeah, he's barely in this movie. It's not going to be uncomfortable. American Beauty? No. I don't the, think I'll ever watch that movie again. The sad thing is, is like, um, American Beauty and The Usual Suspects are such good movies. Um, I think there comes a point when you have to choose, like, whether you want to uh, separate the art, the artist from the art. Yeah. And, I mean, and I think I, I've had this discussion so many times because over the past, like, few years, so many things yeah. have been coming out about, like, artists that mm-hmm. we formerly respected. I mean, there was the Me Too movement, but even before that, there was uh, Bill Cosby. Right. Um, Inner Scott or Inner Scott Card, Orson Scott Card, mm-hmm. who wrote the Inner's Game books, which I love. Like the first book is great. The second book, um, I've never read past the first book. Second book, Speaker for the Dead, is superior in every single way, mm-hmm. and in no way reflects the current values that Orson Scott Card mm-hmm. has. Um, is he still alive? Yeah, Whoa, he's still wow. he's still he's still I a definitely thought he was still dead. a raging homophobic asshole, but. Um, Speaking from the Dead is such a good book. It's yeah. one of my favorite science fiction books. I think it's, you know, obviously, uh, not to get us too off topic right here at yeah. the beginning, yeah. but, <laughs> no, I think... Are we going to talk there, about this episode at all? There is, um, I think it is a little on topic, though, because we have a lot of toxic men in this episode. That's true. But, um, you know, I think that's a personal choice everyone has to make, and for me, it comes down to a level of comfort. I don't want to give my money to people who do shit like that, so... But I also, <laughs> so, but like, you know, some movies I have, I have a couple, um, you know, Rosemary's Baby is a Roman Polanski movie, yep. which I own a secondhand copy of and that I bought when I was like 16 before I even, I didn't even know who Roman Polanski was. I didn't know what he had done. Um, I feel pretty comfortable watching that movie. I, you know, I don't feel like I'm support putting anything negative into the world. I have a pretty easy time separating the art from the artist in that. Um, there are some movies, like I said, that Kevin Spacey is in that I can separate the art from the artist. American Beauty is one where I have trouble separating because that movie, part of the storyline is Kevin Spacey lusting after an underage person. Yeah. And it's just, it's, you know, I don't feel a moral, like, you know, I don't feel like I'm doing anything wrong if I'm watching it, but I also don't have a good time watching it because I, I can't not think about the real life stuff because of what that movie's about. Yeah. So it's just, it's, for me, it's like, I just personally yeah, like, find it unpleasant. Yeah, so like when I, I actually saw the movie originally when it first came, or when it first came out, like uh, my parents had a VHS copy of it. And uh, I remember watching it and thinking like, the hell is this movie? What's going? What the hell's going on in this movie? <laughs> and then in the, uh, and then like uh, I saw it years later, but still like at least four years before the, the whole Kevin Spacey thing happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, wow, this movie's actually brilliant. Yeah. Like, but um, but yeah. So that 
That that is beside the point. Yeah. Um, it, it basically comes down to like even with like J.K. Rowling and her uh, recent. Oh comments, my gosh! Um, not good. But you know what? Th- that's an area where I can separate. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to trust the like the initial feelings that you got from a piece of media, mm-hmm. a story, or anything like that, or even music, um, yeah. like with Michael Jackson's music. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to trust that like the feelings that you got from it originally are from like that enjoyment yeah supersedes uh i think so supersedes the guilt for it i think so i yeah i'm for me i'm not gonna feel guilty about Mm -hmm. that sort of thing but you know i actually i feel like we we are tiptoeing around it a little bit even joss whedon's gone through some of this stuff um you know his stuff was um not as serious as, say, a Woody Allen or a Polanski, or, um, but it's also there. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I guess what I'm saying is it's complicated and all men are bad. Uh, Speaking of which, <laughs> let's talk about this episode. So, all men are bad. So, <laughs> except for Oz, who gets us rolling by just a, just a really del- there's a lot of good callbacks in this episode um but specifically we start with a callback to witch mm-hmm. where he's staring at the um the the uh trophy. the trophy the cheerleading trophy the Catherine uh, oh god what's her last name what's amy's last name dude i do not remember because i didn't remember until i like thought about it for a second i'm like oh yeah that's right there's somebody trapped in that trophy yeah. uh, um but he, he, he comments to Willow that the eyes um, follow you around. And he's you like, know, we're going to find out. Um, we're going to see Amy again fairly soon anyway. So Next week? Yeah. yeah. Um, sorry, minor spoiler. But um, so they, Oz and Willow had apparently gone to a movie the night before. Um they are. They both enjoyed each other's company. They enjoyed each other's company, but Willow is, you know, they have this really, um, they have this really cute scene together. But we immediately, um, she goes to Buffy, and is like expressing some discontent. She's not getting the smooches. She's not getting the smooches, and according to her, she is quote, ready to go. <laughs> And I just want to be like, oh, well, you don't know what that phrase means. And that's okay. <laughs> but her, um, character in, uh, her character in American Pie sure does. Oh, <laughs> my God. So, I, growing up, I had a tendency to start stories with this one time. And every time my dad would go at, at band, band camp, camp. And I didn't get it. Because I, I was a kid. And then I got older, and I got I learned what the reference was. I remember, like... You're like, ew, Dad. No, <laughs> I remember... <laughs> Like, doing it, like, we were at Christmas or something a couple years ago, and being like, this one time, and my dad goes, a band camp. And I was like, you know what, Dad? I know that reference now. You're disgusting. (laughs) I don't think my dad listens, so. (laughs) But if he is, Dad, you're disgusting. I maintain what I said, like, four years ago at Christmas or whenever that was. I've never actually seen it. I, I, like, watched it when I was in high school, and then I watched it, I think, last year with my brother, because um, it was on Netflix, and that was the first time I've seen it since high mm-hmm. school, I'm like, damn, this is a, this is a lot funnier than I remember. I wish that, um, Jason Biggs would get better roles, 
Because I think he's, I do think he's really talented, but then he's stuck being like fucking Larry on Orange is the New Black. Anyway, not a Jason Biggs podcast. <laughs> not yet. Um, not ever. <laughs> <laughs> so we also get a scene, um, I, right, going back a little bit, where Oz um, talks with Larry, who we first met on Halloween. Um, and Larry knocks this girl's books out of her hand, and he's, She's being a being creep. The, like the typical high school asshole yeah. talk. Which I, I think what we're supposed to take away from it since, um, you know, what we, he doesn't do that in the end after he comes out, spoiler alert, Larry's gay, um, is that all of that male posturing and the um, super misogynistic stuff he says is all like overcompensation. He's, he's insecure about his sexuality. Um, you know, not to say that that's okay. It does not excuse, okay. but it does provide context for. We'll get to that later. Though. Yeah. Um, while Buffy and Willow are talking, and Willow is lamenting her lack of uh, physical affection with Oz, she refers to herself as the only girl in school who doesn't have a boyfriend, and immediately is like, oh, fuck, sorry, Buffy. Yeah. Since your boyfriend is evil now. <laughs> yeah. Wearing those leather pants. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, but then Willow has... A, they're, they're talking about Xander, and she has, I think, my favorite line. Um, because Buffy wants them, the three of them to hang out, and she's like, I'll call Xander. What's his number? Oh, yeah. 1-800-I'm-dating-a-skanky-ho. <laughs> And then she does this perfect, like, side eye roll. <laughs> and Buffy says, meow. Yeah. And, and Willow is so pleased. Willow immediately, like, switches back into Willow and just says, oh, I've never gotten a meow before. <laughs> She's so happy about it. But I will say, while we're on the subject, Willow? Yeah. Rude. Uh, slut shaming is not okay. It's not. Um, especially when you and Cordy are getting along very well later in the episode. Yeah. Um, but, I mean... Her reaction is understandable but not acceptable mm -hmm. given what happened in the last episode. Mm -hmm. Remember, understandable but not acceptable. Yes. Um, that night, um, Cordy and Xander are making out in Cordelia's daddy's car. She keeps calling. I, I get. I get that. That's like the white rich girl thing. Is they they call their father's daddy. But listen, Cordelia. The gays invented daddy, so... Daddy stands by you on that. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean. I know, I know. You totally called my bluff. Um, Xander is doing a very bad job at making out because he keeps talking about Willow, which, I which mean... Which is honestly the first time that's really happened. I mean, yeah, like... He's talked about Buffy a lot. But now there's a boy who's interested in Willow, and that... That can't be, not in Xanderland. Oh my gosh, it's like almost like we need like an alert or something for uh You know what, we'll, we'll save that for later. Because believe it or not, this is a, again, another fairly strong Xander episode that he kind of fucks up at the end. So, I, it's actually funny. I think Xander is pretty chill in this episode while the other shitty men are there. Mm -hmm. And then um, one shitty man kind of turns himself around and the other just leaves. And so Xander's like, oh, there's a void to fill. Chad. Yeah. <laughs> um, he like shoves his face through the door and he's like, here's Xander. 
<laughs> Dude, I wish I got a picture of that <laughs> from behind the scenes. I feel like from that, you just really should just have your phone like at the ready. Just like. <laughs> um, they at this point though, they are attacked by a werewolf. Um, they get away. Um, and I some quick thinking from Cordelia. She reverses first and then shoots forward to get the uh, werewolf. I feel off like with Cordelia, car. whenever something that she cher- that she cherishes cherishes is in danger, her life, her daddy's car, car. and um, in a far, far near the end, Xander. She has her clear thinking. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I mean, I. I mm, I think Cordelia is very smart, and that's we're all into that. Um, she has vapid moments, but she's very observant and and a very she's very quick on her feet. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. Um. So, the next day they, they come to werewolf pretty quickly. Um, which Giles <laughs> is giddy as shit he about. Is so excited. It's werewolves. It's one of the classics. <laughs> um. Also, this really, leads to him laughing at a stupid Xander joke. I, the, the, Giles laughing at the moon pie joke is one of my favorite Giles moments because it's so unexpected. <laughs> it, and it's, it's, it's really out of character, but like in a fun way, um, where the show knows it's out of character. Willow and Buffy are like, what the fuck? Like, d- d- did you just laugh at that? And he kind of is sheepishly like, uh, but uh, let me... Uh, <laughs> Let me get back to being British. Um, also, Willow just knows that it's the day before the full moon. So the lore that we get, um, Giles says, you know, they the werewolf will be back next month at the next full moon. And Willow goes, without having any sort of like research prepared, presumably, she's like, but what about tonight's full moon? Um, because the night before was actually the night before the full moon, right. traditionally known as... The head, night before the full moon. Head cannon. Willow is a nerd. Yeah. That's not Willow's head cannon. That's cannon. No, no. <laughs> let, me, let me work my way to the head cannon. Okay, okay. Willow is a nerd. Willow enjoys science. An aspect of science is astronomy. One big thing that astronomers pay attention to are the phases of the moon. That's fair. He says with his master's in astronomy. Is that right? Master's in physics with a concentration in astrophysics. Did you get your bachelor's in astronomy? Uh... It was also for physics, but the way the U of L set up, you had concentrations, and okay. astrophysics was my concentration. Okay. Maybe I just heard astrophysics and went, ah, oh, yes, stars, uh, astronomy. Astronomy. <laughs> so astronomy is. Um, I mean, astronomy and astrophysics can be used interchangeably, but if you really wanted to split hairs, astronomy is more like observational studying of like uh, you know movements of planets and stars gotcha. and stuff like that. Whereas uh, astrophysics is more about like. Physics in space? Yeah. Physics kind of like, in space! Kind of like how physical fundamentals are operate on like the large scale of space. So, as an astrophysicist... <laughs> Let's not go that far. Um, <laughs> I was going to make a dumb Star Wars joke, and then I just... I lost it. Um... No, I do, I have no trouble believing that Willow does pay attention to the cycles of the moon. Um... So, we, we we basically learn that the lore in this version of werewolves, which is not an 
I don't think it's an uncommon thing is that the werewolf transforms on three nights, the full moon and the night before and the night after, mm-hmm. which I know that an American werewolf in London, incidentally, I think one of the best werewolf movies ever goddamn made. Um, I'm pretty sure he, he transforms multiple nights in a row. So I think they also fought that movie follows that logic. Um, I haven't seen a lot of other werewolf movies. I don't think they're necessarily always the best. You know what's interesting? Um, so Vampire Diaries, which, again, I'm going to bring up <laughs> fairly constantly while we're watching Buffy. Um, Vampire Diaries has, like, a big lead-up to, like, a uh, reveal of werewolves. And then, like, season two is kind of, like, a really cool introduction. And, like, it's a really big part of the mythos. It feels like Buffy just kind of, like, says, oh, yeah, werewolves are real. Which is, in fairness, is really all the show needs to do. Uh, it doesn't need to go through a lot of justification for. Um, uh, it's true. What's like, um, I, I guess it kind of like took me by surprise because like uh, werewolves are so entrenched in the Vampire Diaries mythology, but. Uh, I feel like that's also fairly common too. Like werewolves and vampires yeah. tend to be lumped together. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you get, you know, one of our major characters on Buffy is a werewolf. Um, as you just mentioned, Vampire Diaries. I loathe to bring it up, but Twilight. Uh, Van Helsing movie <laughs> with Van, Hugh Jackman. Yeah, um, and of course, like, the universal, like, monster universe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, also, like, probably Underworld, though I've never seen an Underworld movie. I haven't either, but I think you're right. Like, I'm fairly certain, like, lycanthropes are part of that. I, I know lycanthropes are. Um... And I don't, I'm less certain about, um, hold on, I'm just going to Google Underworld Vampires. Power of Google. There are. And werewolves. There are. Okay. So, there we go. Um, Ooh, that should be like a horror franchise that you have to catch up on. It is. Um, I haven't seen any either. I haven't either. So. I obviously have. Do we do like, like an Underworld marathon? How many are there? I don't know. I was about to be like, maybe not a marathon. At least five. <laughs> I think probably more. I think there's probably closer to like eight or nine. Or, <laughs> or maybe I'm thinking a Final Fantasy. Are there... Are there are 15 main installments of Final Fantasy. Are you thinking of Final Destination? There's five Final Destination movies. Um, Underworld, there are... There's actually only five uh, Underworld movies. Dude, we can do that today. Yeah, I actually, I thought there were many more. Maybe I was thinking of um, Final Fantasy, because... Do you mean Final Destination? No, Final Fantasy. Are there Final like, Fantasy movies? Like, the, there, there are two. There's, like, this. There's the live-action one that nobody likes to speak of, and then there's the uh, CGI one that's, like, kind of a, hmm. a sequel to Seven, but... Yeah, you're right. I think I've been conflating Final Fantasy and Underworld. I th- I think I've just... That's an interesting association, but you know what? Let's roll with it. What's next in the episode? So, they, um... One of... Uh, Giles points out that there were several attacks uh, the night before, but only animals were killed. No, no people were killed. Um... And... Um... They... Basically determine that the person who is the werewolf might be... Oh, my God. <laughs> determine that the person who's a werewolf will probably be aggressive and, you know, all sorts of things. And Buffy's like, so... 
your typical man. And uh, Xander's like... The first of several pot shots. Oh my god. But... I feel like maybe well-deserved. Yeah, um, I feel like this is, uh, this is, like, this episode aired in 1998. 98, yeah. Yeah, this is, like, before, before, like, men were really being called out on their shit, uh, so... Yeah. Yeah, like, I'm gonna make this point clear right now. (laughs) Men do deserve to be called out on their shit. Everybody deserves to be called out on their shit. But men especially because Mm -hmm. they haven't been called out on it for, like, the history of human civilization. Yeah. So, uh... And I think men have a tendency to get very defensive when men are called out. mm -hmm. Which I always just want to be like, maybe, you know, maybe there's some self-examination that needs to... To, to go there. Maybe yeah. if you are feeling defensive, maybe it's because... Um, but I do like uh, Xander's... Uh, he's like... Or, I think Xander says, like, on like behalf of my gender, hey. <laughs> and then Jazz is like, yes, yes, let's stop, jump to any conclusions. And one of my favorite Buffy lines of the whole series is, is here. I didn't jump. I took one tiny step and... Their conclusions were. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in gym class... Um, they're doing self-defense. They're right? doing self-defense. And we meet Teresa, who... I find Teresa frustrating because she's not a character. She's a cipher. And, and she's there to make Buffy feel bad when she dies... Which, fine. All of that is fine. But I just... She's I don't know. She's there. Yeah. I wish maybe she had been in a couple... I mean, we have we have kind of a, a rotating roster of Sunnydale students. You know so I kind of wish like, maybe yeah, it had been one books, we knew. The books that, like, uh, Larry knocks out, like, that's not Teresa's books. It's, it's not like Teresa. It's some different other one. girl. Uh, yeah. Completely different girl. And uh, the... Um, so it seems interesting that, like, they would introduce Teresa yeah. and not, like, have her be, like, a little more worked into the episode. Right. Like, if, Beforehand. Ter- if Teresa had been that girl at the beginning, mm-hmm. I think that would have helped a little bit. Yeah. Which would support Buffy's theory later that he was, like, specifically targeting Teresa. Yeah. Even though that's not really true. Um, she just happened to be there. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but, yeah, like, they have, um, they have the uh, self-defense... And Buffy uh, steps in to be Larry's partner after mm-hmm. he makes some not great remarks towards Teresa. Yeah. And then he decides to, like, what, squeeze her ass? Yeah, so Buffy is pretending she doesn't have super strength. which Because is, she's supposed to be a meek little girl. Uh, I actually kind of hate that. Like, yes, Buffy should, you know, she has a secret identity, blah, blah, blah. She... She can pretend not to have super strength without having to pretend she's a meek little girly girl, mm-hmm. as Willow says. Yeah. I, I don't care for that. But um, it does lead to the great moment where, yeah, he basically says, uh, he says she's turning him on, and she grab he grabs her ass, and she fucking throws him. Oh, yeah. I love it. And his shit. Oz just goes, that works. <laughs> <laughs> um, in this scene, also, we learn that Larry got bit by a dog the week before. And Oz can, um, he can appreciate that because he got bit by his cousin Jordy. 
Um, yeah, like, Larry's trying to do this weird flex, it's like, 39 stitches, and Oz, like, holds up his finger, which only makes what happens later in the episode even funnier. It's so good. I love that. I love that the episode really does, you know, it's, to me, I sometimes forget that Oz being a werewolf is a twist, because... After Oz this is episode, yeah. It's just like an accepted. Fact. Oz is like, a werewolf. It's like Angel being a vampire, right? And it's one of the things that I've actually had to catch myself in episodes we've discussed before that have Oz in it mm-hmm. from mentioning that he becomes a werewolf because I'm just like, yeah, he's he's a werewolf. That's it's been, it's been easy for me because uh, he's like um, it never factors into it. That's true. I um, I stick with the story. No, that's fair. Um, but I do love that we get this really obvious candidate for werewolf with complete with the attacked by a dog. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got my cousin bit me. But if you really think about it, if he got attacked by the dog the week before, then he couldn't be the werewolf. Yeah, and I was thinking that as well. Um, so it's actually, it is a pretty clever misdirect that's actually pretty obvious when you are really thinking about it. Um... Giles and uh, Buffy go to Lover's Lane because the werewolf will be attracted to uh, a pheromone. The musk of teenage sensuality. (laughs) Um, And um, they're they're not going to kill the werewolf because the werewolf is a person. Teenage sensuality. Get that going. Um, Giles has just such a great moment where he's like, maybe we should knock on some cars, ask if anyone's seen anything. And Buffy's like, no one has seen anything. Yeah, <laughs> it's another one of the enjoyable, as much time as Giles spends with teenagers, which you think he spends the majority of his time with teenagers, um, he still doesn't get it. He still doesn't get it. <laughs> um, they... Uh, Buffy also just has a great moment when they get back together. He's like, did you find anything out? And she's like, yes, you will not believe who I saw making out with. And it goes like on a string of gossip. And I was like, oh my god. I love it. I love it. Um, This is where they meet Kane. And Kane sucks. Like, Yeah, it's like, um, hey, you know how we've been like, Referencing toxic masculinity. Oh Here's a god. character he, that embodies. Oh my god, he's just he makes this gross implication that it's not an implication. He's just flat out says that like um Xander god damn it. Giles and Buffy are like there to hook up. And um he says something about like get him while the fruit's still fresh or Yeah. We were like gagging when we that's have, like, we oh, have we not chat alert in like full effect here. Holy shit, he's just so grotesque. And I I will say I I appreciate the episode's commentary on toxic toxic masculinity, but I do think Kane is a little two dimensional. Um, yeah, they even, like, go so far as to say, he says later in the episode, like, man, I, they said I couldn't hunt elephants for the ivory, and now, like, I have to worry about werewolves yeah. and ethical treatment of that. I'm like, all right, we get it. You're a Republican. I was going to say he's an asshole, <laughs> but... Mm. <laughs> Potato Republican. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, so he's a werewolf hunter. Um, and Potato Republican? <laughs> you mean Mitch McConnell? <laughs> oh, jeez. 
Um, so yeah, so he's a werewolf hunter. Um, he, you know, Buffy has a great line where she's like, it doesn't bother you that a werewolf is a person the other 28 days of the month. And he's basically just like, no. That's why I hunt him those three days. Yeah, and it's, um, yeah, it's tucked up. Don't care for him. Uh, Sad thing is, like, I'm, I am related to people who are, who have that mentality of like, I honestly don't care. I just want to shoot some shit. Yeah. Me too. Um, so then we get, I think, I'm, I'm just going to say, I think my favorite episode, or my favorite scene of the episode. And this is Cordelia and Willow. <laughs> We've like, got a bronze party. We, have a bronze. we haven't been to the bronze in a while, other yeah, than like, in Buffy's dream last Buffy's Two weeks dream, ago. Um, her birthday party. Oh, that's right. Um, and like, uh, I forget that that's at the bronze because and, and they so had like, um, I think in what's my line, they had uh, like it was closed down and um, yeah, maybe. I feel like there was an episode before surprise where they were at the bronze, but it was like closed or something. Uh, maybe can't remember. I don't think we've had like a full on yeah bronze. We haven't scene. had like an indie band on display or anything yeah. like that. So. On that subject, uh, the band is called Lotion, and the song they're singing is called Blind For Now, and I typically really enjoy the bands that are in the bronze, but I find this one to be just very, I'm not familiar with this band, but it's very blandly 90s. It's like Linkin Park, but... It's like, (laughs) I almost kind of found them to be uh, like, oh, they could be Weezer, but they're not Weezer. Yeah, just very... You do bare. not want to put this lotion on your skin. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, Willow and Cordelia are bitching about their boyfriends to each other. So and part of it... I want to... <laughs> okay. Like, this starts off with... Close like, up on Cordelia. Close up on Cordelia. You don't see who she's talking to. She's just like... Oh God! All Xander talks about is Willow and Buffy, and but she just goes on and on. It's like, oh, why should he be thinking about Willow? Willow, Willow, Willow! And then, like it zooms out, and she's talking with Willow, and I'm like, oh my God! <laughs> it's so well funny. done, cinematography team. It's it's very well done, and Willow does not seem to take it personally. No, um, she does. She just goes in, and she's like, yeah, that is fucked up, Cordelia. Listen to my boy. Nobody problems. really notices me. Yeah. <laughs> and then Willow has such a great line where um she's um uh well cordelia says why do they do that oh i know because they're guys and willow goes yeah bunch of guys and then the werewolf just like jumps <laughs> on the table it's <laughs> like oh my god we need to stop this i but love you know, it like, having having been a guy for a lot of my life all um, of it in fact all of it in fact uh i do have to say that like guys can be guys oh my god like we, we so can be. Listen, okay, you're a guy, but I'm also a guy, and I date guys. Well, and I'm married to a guy. You're a gay and I, a guy. Yeah, I'm both. <laughs> 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 and, yeah, for, from the perspective of being one and also dating them, <laughs> I just, it's too much. To quote Sarah Lynn, it's too much, man. I'm not going to lie. I feel like I should... <laughs> Apologize to just random girls in the street after watching this episode. Don't do that. Yeah, don't I think do that. I was gonna say I feel like you're just gonna um, make things worse. Yeah. 
Oh god, that'd be so creepy if some random guy. I'm so sorry for what? Then <laughs> <laughs> you just get maced, <laughs> and you would have it coming. Um, Willow does her in the scene. Willow does her first of two fucking excellent horror movie screams when the uh, uh, when the werewolf jumps in front of them. Cordelia has a good one too, but she can't quite. She has a lower voice than um, than Allison Hannigan does, so she can't quite get that that upper register. Um, we don't even see what happens to Cordelia after this scene. Like, everyone flees the bronze. Is Cordelia in the rest of the episode? Uh, I don't remember. I don't think I don't so. Think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, my God. How fucked up would it be if, like, that was the last you saw her in the episode, and then, like, the opening of the next episode? She's a werewolf. Cordelia died, and that freak werewolf had <laughs> Um... She's a she-wolf. <laughs> Buffy tries to catch the werewolf. Uh, she has a chain. And um, she she tries to catch the werewolf, but she fails. Werewolves are strong. Mm-hmm. And Kane shows up and um, is just a dick to her again. This is where that I can't hunt elephants for the ivory mm-hmm. came up with, like, dude... You're an asshole. Such a dick. And, um... So then we get, um, our first and only angel scene in the episode. Angelus. Um... No, it happens twice, because he... Oh, uh, you're right. Earlier, you saw Teresa walking down the street, Mm -hmm. and she runs into Angelus. and And he... At first, she is... It's actually kind of... She's afraid of the werewolf, because she hears, like, an animal sound. Yeah. She's afraid of that, and then, like, she bumps into Angelus. Right, and she's wary of him until he says, don't you go to school with Buffy. Mm-hmm. And when she finds out, oh, you know Buffy, and of course Buffy had defended her earlier in the day, she lets her guard down. And R.I.P. Teresa. Yeah. <laughs> Pour one out for <laughs> Teresa. No, I'm not going to pour this out because it's delicious. Very good. Um, pour something else out for Teresa. Here's some water splash. <laughs> um, and, you know, going forward, I will say, out of the episodes that are left, obviously there are some that focus a lot on Angelus. Um, I don't think that's a spoiler. That's just obvious. But there are also some standard Monster of the Week episodes. There's at least... Two more, or at least one more. Um, I can off the top of my head, I can think of three more. Oh, okay. Well, but I believe Angelus is in like He's he in has a, minor appearances in all of in them, all of them, which I think is a good choice because the threat is still there. Yeah, you know, it's even if he's in the background, he's still lurking. He is still out mm-hmm. there. Um, you know, yeah, and we have to. Buffy is forced to kind of face that in this episode. She is. Yeah, she has this pressing matter of the werewolf, but Angelus is also out there, and she can't forget that. Um, yes, giving back to our the part that we were at, um, the werewolf is like leaving the bronze, mm-hmm. left the bronze, and then um, runs into Angelus, who is just uh, killed eaten, Teresa, eating Teresa. Um, so you you automatically know, oh, the werewolf is going to get blamed for this. Yeah. Uh, and does. It does. Um, and this is when, um, you know, we know that Angelus killed her. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the uh, the um, 
the characters all think it's the werewolf, and Buffy, Buffy blames herself. She, she let, she, she let the werewolf get away, that's what she thinks. Yeah. And someone she knew ended up dead. This is also, though, before that happens, we get the reveal that the werewolf is Oz. Yes. So that also coincides really nicely, this reveal that a person was killed, and not only does Buffy blame herself, Oz blames himself as well. Yeah. Um, I think this reveal is done really well. I. This is another one of those things where I think I knew going into the show that Oz was a werewolf, so it wasn't a big shock to me, but I imagine it probably was a really shocking reveal. I don't think I knew that Oz was a werewolf because I don't think I knew when I first saw the show because I don't think I knew too much about Oz. Like, I think that Mm. Seth Green was in the show at all um, because, like like I said, I watched this in college, so it was, like, the late 2000s, so... I, was really I spent a lot of time on the wiki while I was watching. I got I, <laughs> I, I did uh, a lot to myself. I, yeah, a lot of the stuff I saw Seth Green and like um, like uh, Austin Powers mm-hmm. and uh, Rat Race. This is very uh, this is a very atypical role for him, mm-hmm. uh, and I think he's excellent in it, especially oh, yeah. in this the latter half of this episode. Really good because Oz wakes up. And that's when he realizes, because Giles doesn't make the comment earlier, like, they may not even know that they're a werewolf. But when Oz wakes up naked in the middle of a field, and by the way, looking really good. Right, ripped. Yeah, he's ripped. Um, Um, And he has the most Oz response to waking up in the middle of a field, or in the middle of the woods naked. Huh. This then (laughs) leads to the scene where he calls up his aunt... And ask if his cousin So is... weird question. Is cousin Jordy a werewolf? And then like you don't hear the other side of the conversation, but then he just says, Oh, and how long is that going on? Wonderful. Like you have to wonder, is everybody in Oz's family as chill as he is? I I would imagine so. I imagine his aunt um is just like, Oh, yeah, yeah, he is. <laughs> right. Also, I just want to read, um, you know, once per episode, I'm going to read off of the Buffy wiki and their weird way of, like, explaining things. Recalling the bite he got, he calls his Aunt Maureen and casually asks if his cousin is a werewolf. The answer is yes. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, wow, way to embody Oz. (laughs) Um, So he goes to the library. Everyone's getting their assignments. Xander suspects that Larry is the werewolf. Um, Giles, so he's going to go interrogate him. Giles wants Willow to pull up... Any other students that could fit the profile. Right. And um, uh, Buffy and Giles are going to basically go werewolf hunting. Mm -hmm. Um, Willow wants Oz to help her with her search, and he just kind of panics and runs away. this This is Seth Green's scene. It's really um, good. He, uh, like, they're saying, like, at first, like, he's just getting the update now. They're like, oh, nobody was hurt or whatever. And then that's when they reveal that Teresa was killed. Yeah. And so Oz, thinking that it was his fault, is, um, like, coming to grips with, like, oh, my God. Because even though he wasn't in control of it, it's still something that he feels responsible for. Right. And he has to... And like, how couldn't he? Like, there's no way you couldn't yeah, feel that. he has to deal with all of that. And at the same time, trying to keep 
face because it's like I think he walked in into the library as Buffy said I should have killed it when I yes. had a chance. Yes. So he's like, if I tell them, then they're gonna like Buffy's going to kill me. Yeah. Like um, she even makes the thing like, oh, I'd rather spend like like oh three minutes in a mm-hmm. three minutes in a cage alone with the werewolf is like my plan. And Oz has not really known them that long. I think it it's may- true. He's just a recent inductee into the. Yeah, I think it, maybe he had been there since the beginning and felt, and you know, had been on more adventures with them and knew Buffy a little better. Mm-hmm. Maybe he would have felt more comfortable coming forward. But he's been in a handful of episodes and he's only been directly involved with the actual, like, supernatural plot in Surprise. In Surprise and Innocence, Innocence. yeah. Um, so. And, and fuck, in Innocence, he watched Buffy use a rocket launcher to th- blow up a demon. Like, we had to bring up the rocket launcher again. I, I mean, I will till the day I die. But, I mean, you know, yeah. he's thinking, like, where is that rocket launcher? Does she still have it? Like, yeah, and then, so like, it makes sense. Yeah. Lilith wants Oz to work with her. But he can't because she's wearing yellow overalls and a lavender and yellow sweater. Also, like, what Seth Green is wearing in this scene is not good. It, like, it's he's wearing like the plaid um, red, blue, and white, I think. Mm-hmm. And, but then like he's also wearing like a really dark green shirt underneath of that. Yeah. And it just doesn't work. I mean, I get the style that he's going for, like the grunge, have a, have a graphic tee shirt on display, whilst you wear like mm-hmm. an outer Your flannel. And it doesn't always have to be flannel. It's not it's flannel true. at the end of the episode. But like as you wear like an outer. Um, Dress, dress like button down shirt. Yeah, I've I've rocked that style. We all times. have. Um, we grew up in a time. Yeah, you know who's dressed really well is Xander. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm actually, really surprised. He looks good, and I like Buffy's up. She's got the purple tank, and she's yeah. got the uh, matching purple eyeshadow. Yeah, Xander. Um, Xander's uh, sense of style becomes a joke throughout oh the series. God. But you know what? He actually isn't isn't like too bad. Yeah, he's pretty nice. It's important, uh, we, we skipped over this, but when Xander is talking about Larry being the werewolf, he's like, I understand how he thinks, and Willow's like, because of that time you were a hyena, uh, so yet another callback, which is really nice, um, and then Xander kind yeah, of... remember when they ate their principal? <laughs> no, Xander did Principal Flutie! Principal Flutie, R.I.P. Principal Flutie. Um... Xander didn't. He was conveniently not there for the eating of the principal. Um, he also kind of uh, outs himself that he remembers that incident, even though he had lied and said he couldn't remember it Which at the time. Which is actually like a really fun... Um, I'm going to say this about Buffy. It remembers its backstory. Yes. It is um, a very strong sense of continuity. Yeah, and like it, th- this happens like a few times throughout the series where they pull up stuff that's like last season or even like several seasons prior you know another show that handles its continuity very well um and i will and i'm gonna say this despite all of its other flaws um but also starring allison hannigan is how i met your mother that is a show that knew its history and it had to that was kind of built into the fabric of the show for a while the like at the end of the show it kind of like is more like shoving the history in your face yeah which is one of its flaws <laughs> i have thoughts about how i met your mother that would fill up a whole nother episode oh my gosh of the podcast, we've so done this before let's like, move, we, yeah let's move on buffy 
witnesses Oz's kind of rejection of Willow in this scene. And basically Buffy tells her, like, you're going to have to make the first move. This is um, what you're going to have to do. But before she makes the first move, uh, Xander goes to confront Larry. In the locker room. Boys locker room. He tells him you've got... He's like, I know you have a secret. I, I know what you've been up to at night. <laughs> yeah, I know what you've been up to at night. Um, and... At first, Larry is very upset and very threatening, and then Sanders like, "No, I've been there. I understand. I want to help you." And referring to the hyena Yes. And then Larry comes out of the closet. Yeah, it's um. So it reminds me a lot of uh, like the whole bully being secretly gay thing. Mm-hmm. It reminds me a lot of Glee. Mm, um, with Karofsky. With Karofsky and Kurt. Wow, there's a name I just knew. Yeah. God damn. Have you been watching Glee recently, Harrison? I actually have. Uh, <laughs> I, a couple, like a month or two ago, I was just like, I wonder if Glee actually was as bad as I remember. So I started watching like the first season and I was like, oh. Yeah, and I got like midway through the first season, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm not doing this to myself." I yeah, and I like I I didn't realize that, that was like a trope, but I mean, I guess like this kind of reinforces mm-hmm. that it is. Well, and it's it's not uncommon. Yeah, just in the world, um, you know, a lot of people who are aggressively homophobic are gay, like mm-hmm. Lindsey Graham. Yeah. Oh, no question. About that. <laughs> like, um. And, you know, I, I, being in the closet is a horrible thing. It's, it's stressful. It's, it's the worst way to live your life. Uh, But I also, my level of sympathy for those like anti-gay politicians or like anti-gay pastors or all that who are secretly gay and like super closeted, I, I just, I really can't muster up a lot of sympathy for it. Yeah, it's kind of like, um... Did you ever see Boy Erased? No, I haven't seen that. But that's the one about like the conversion therapy, right? Yeah, it's like with um, Nicole Lucas, Kidman. Yes, um, yes, it is Nicole Kidman. It's not Naomi Watts. It's not. Have, have we mentioned that on this podcast? I don't think we have. <laughs> All right, so this is gonna be like a sidetrack, but I so I've seen a lot of movies, and I have um, I know a lot of actors and actresses. But, um, and I think I've gotten a lot better about it lately. You have. But there was a time when uh, my friends, uh, particularly my friend Alex, um, noticed that I had an extremely tough time distinguishing Naomi Watts from Nicole Kidman. And I think there was like one night when I was trying to like describe movies that... Um, and Charlize Theron. Wasn't I she on that list too? No, it's, okay. it's mostly just those okay. two. I was going to say, Bombshell must have been a nightmare for you. Well, I haven't seen it. I was <laughs> actually going to see it tonight, but I decided to record the episode instead. Oh, how generous. I can hold off on seeing Bombshell. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, uh, for some reason, and I don't know why, I just seem to always confuse Naomi Watts with Nicole Kidman. And I used to say that oh, Nicole Kidman is in that movie with, um, with Ewan McGregor, referring to uh, Moulin Rouge, until Harrison's like, oh my god, you gotta watch this movie. It was The Impossible, starring Naomi Watts, with Ewan McGregor. 
<laughs> so there went my reference point. Very. But yes, it is good. Nicole Kidman. Um, and uh, uh, God, I can't remember the actor who plays the uh, person who's kind of in charge of the th- of the therapy conversion. It is a famous actor. Um, are you looking that up right now? I am. Um, so the movie stars Lucas Hedges. He's the yeah. titular boy. Nicole Kidman, uh, Joel Egerton, who is, um, I think Joel Egerton is the it, guy. Yeah, in my And Russell Crowe is the Russell dad. Russell Crowe's dad. But yeah, um, Joel Egerton plays, like, the guy who's in charge of the, uh... Yeah, that's him. ...of the conversion therapy center. And he's based on and a then, real person. Based on a real person. And then at the end of the movie, they say, like, what happened, like, as with most, uh, movies based on true stories, they say what happened afterwards... And they reveal that, oh, the guy that Joel Edgerton played, head of the conversion therapy mm-hmm. center, is um, currently, like, living with his husband mm-hmm. uh, somewhere. So, yeah, that's what I immediately thought. Yeah. So that- no, and I do. I, I, I said I have no sympathy. I have some for the ones who can turn it around. But also, especially in the situation like this, this those, is- I mean, so many kids take their own lives over conversion therapy and um, yeah yeah this is such an insane scene i have no idea how to feel about it because Mm -hmm. like um i think john even mentioned because john was in the room when we watched it he mentioned that uh i don't know if this is being progressive or not but like at the same time that uh that this guy's coming out to xander Xander is um, undergoing gay panic, yes. as you said it. Yes, um, definite gay panic. So, for the listeners who might not know, gay panic is a phrase that basically refers. I mean, it's exactly what it sounds like. It is um, the it's the fear that someone might think you're gay, or that a you gay might be person, gay, you might not know it. yeah, or that a gay person is like coming on to you. Gay panic is often used as a legal defense um, and unfortunately has worked in cases where a straight person has murdered a gay person or assaulted a gay person and their defense is gay panic like oh they, they came on to me or whatever and unfortunately it has it has worked um, in southern states um that might be a bad assumption, but like you're not wrong, but it yeah. is you get it a lot in like midwestern states as well, and mm-hmm. honestly in you know northern northeastern states. I mean, it's yeah. uh, it's definitely more prevalent in certain areas of the country, but it is it does happen everywhere. Obviously, Xander never goes so far as to do anything um, over, overtly homophobic, but he is. It's he definitely is, don't, well, oh, don't lump me in with you. Yeah. Um, and I, I do think the show treats this coming out scene positively. I, I, I never feel like Larry's supposed to be the butt of a joke. Mm-hmm. I love the way that it shows that Larry feels after freed. Yeah, after he says that... Um, he changes, time, like, in a second. The next time you see him... Uh, yeah. Instead of, like, when a girl drops her books, I don't know if it's that same girl or if it's a different girl. Yeah, I'm not but, sure. But, like, at the end of the episode... But he, he helps, helps her. He helps her and then, like, has a good conversation with Xander. And, um... And I do like how he, uh... 
how Xander like emphasized the like, oh, he he hasn't told anybody, but I think he hasn't told anybody for the wrong reasons. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's it's such a hard scene to take in. Yeah, I appreciate it from the way it portrays how freeing the act of coming out is because mm-hmm. it is. Oh my god, it's amazing. Like uh, better than sex. Uh, um, I mean, like. I, I guess that depends on the sex. I was going to say, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't come when I came out of the closet, but <laughs> would have been we weird. actually came out of the uh, closet. But it's... Um, well, I apologize to anybody who's like... Every, I feel like I may have offended a few people with that, eh, and I apologize. I wasn't offended. <laughs> um, no, but it's... Um, it is... Being in the closet is a constant act of deception. You are lying to everyone... And you are, and yeah, and it's, and it's anxiety inducing because you're worried people will find out it is, it's, it's awful. It's truly awful. And I'm sorry to go through that. Oh, thank you. Um, you made me the man I am awful, Um, but no, but, but being able to come out, I, I, I remember distinctly coming out to my parents and, um, just, the weight was lifted. And unfortunately, not everyone has the privilege. I, you know, my parents, um, my whole family was very accepting when I came out of the closet. They were, um, they fucking love John. He, like, my... How can you not? My, well, uh, my, <laughs> my Lebanese aunts, like, adore him. It's so, it's so funny when they, like, we go over to, like, family events and all the aunts were like, oh, John, come talk to me. <laughs> like, yeah, um, um, he was really welcomed into my family. But not everyone has that. But, you know, I any, if anyone is listening who is closeted, I recommend finding someone you trust. Even if you can't come out of the closet to everyone in your life, even if that is not feasible, because that which is understandable. But finding someone in your life to that you trust to hold that secret for you, even one person helps lift that anxiety a little. So, so that's, um, yeah. There's a, uh, um, I don't know, have you seen the movie Love, Simon? Uh-uh. Um, there's, like, a, a really great scene, like, uh, unfortunately, in the course of the movie, um, the character Simon, uh, he is also closeted, and then he gets outed. Um, Just, yeah, then, not and good. And, like, and at first he, um, he's, like, completely crushed by it. But then he, like, starts to accept it and, like, talk to his family about it. And his mom says something that uh, I know touched a lot of people, a lot of gay people that I know. um, Because his mom is a, I'm pretty sure she's a therapist, Jennifer Mm -hmm. Garner. I didn't know Jennifer Garner. Yeah, she plays his mom, and I think... Jermon Moroni plays his dad. Okay. Um, (laughs) Jennifer Garner has, like, a wonderful scene. Where, um... Yeah, he talks, of course she does. She's Jennifer Garner. Yeah. That's he, talk, he, talks to, he talks to her about it, and she's... And he says, like, he really doesn't know how to feel, and she's like, you've been holding your breath for so long, and now you can finally breathe. That's wonderful. Yeah. that That is a good way... And I know I've mentioned this before. There are some good things to say and not good things to say when someone comes out, and even well-meaning things cannot always be the right thing to say. That I... That's wonderful. I love yeah. that. Um, yeah, seriously, use that, guys. If like anybody comes up to you, yeah, um, love and support. 
Well, oh shit, what was I going to say? Um, something about coming out. Something <laughs> about... I mean, I've, I've only had one person come up to me in my life. And uh, I, I hope I said the right things. It's really hard for me to remember because it was like freshman year of college. But uh, it, I will say it did mean a lot yeah. that um, somebody trusted me enough with that. It's a powerful experience on, on both ends of it. Yeah. Um, so guys, love and support to all mm -hmm. your friends. As, even if they're werewolves. Um, or straight. Or straight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think Love Simon even has like a even has like a little um, sequence where Simon explains why he he hasn't like come out to his parents. They're like, God, just imagine if like people had to come out about being straight, and it shows like a, a girl saying like, I. I like boys, and, and her, her mom or dad's like, why? Why, God, why? I remember what I wanted to say. I'm bringing it back, back to Glee again. Okay. But uh, on the subject of outing, because yeah. outing is horrible. It is it is awful. Um, do not ever out someone against their will. And I'll be, I will say my caveat is I, too, agree with Jamie Lee Curtis about anti-gay politicians who use their power to to harm the gay community, fucking out them. But um, I'm <laughs> looking at Lindsey Graham. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Lindsey Graham. Um, but um, it makes me think of that scene in Glee where Finn outs Santana, and um, I remember some people being like, "Well, Santana deserved it," and I'm like, "You know what? You're right. Santana was saying some awful things to him. They were cruel. They were mean. But what he did." Yeah, I, I think what she said was, like, you're kind of fat. And what he did was sit, tell at a hallway full of students she was a lesbian. And they're not comparable. I think his, I think his actual phrase is, like, why don't you just come out already? Yeah. yeah. And um, I remember, I, I feel a little ashamed to admit this, but and it might be because I didn't know my ignorance of the fact. I didn't know, like, the weight of that. Mm -hmm. So... I thought that, like, I was probably one of those people who was, like, trying to justify, like, um, what Finn said, but... And I'm I not going to justify it, what Santana was saying, because yeah, she no. was being awful. No, but... But, yeah, it's, there were yeah, two levels But, like, there. um, but I honestly, it, it's, it's things like that that make me look back and realize, God, I... We all I mean, learn. Yeah, all I, yeah, and I'm, I'm actually kind of, like, I... I'm going to pat myself on the back, and those who know me, I don't do this that often, but I feel like <laughs> I, I appreciate the fact that I've, like, had this chance to grow, and it really helps, like, yeah. having friends who are a part of the community, and, like, I've learned so much about the LGBTQ community. You're an honorary. Oh, thank you. That's actually, <laughs> you're not the first person who said that. There's been, like, there have been, like, different people from different parts of my life who have said that, and I, if I can be considered a good ally, I... Truly appreciate that and really hope that I can live up to that name. Yeah, I think you are. Thank you. So, um, so that was a long tangent, <laughs> but I think a that worthwhile is, that, one. That is, a, um, that is an important part uh, of this episode. Yeah, I think Especially it's... when reviewing in today's times. Yeah. Um, but let's get back to the werewolf of it yeah, all. Yeah, <laughs> the werewolf of it all. So, um, Buffy and Xander go to the funeral home because... It occurs to Buffy that the report of Teresa's death did not mention mauling at all, which 
you would imagine. Yeah, with a wolf, with like, tear the shit out of somebody. Yeah. So they go to the funeral home and confirm a fucking shitty funeral director left two gaping wounds on her neck and went, yeah, scarf will do. Like... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, with the rate of people dying in Sunnydale, true. you gotta make these funerals quick. That's true. Like they don't have time to. It kind of reminds me of on Thirty Rock, where um, Avery's like, "It's a twenty-four hour news cycle. We don't have time to get it right." But hey, remember <laughs> this show's called Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and at first you're like, "Oh, is she ever gonna find out that Angel did it?" But yes. Sure enough. Um, after Xander, like, does some callbacks to uh, earlier events in the series, um, he says, uh, he says, like, oh, and, uh, well, I've already forgotten that girl's name. Teresa? Teresa. Teresa's a vampire, which she is, and Buffy gets in a fight with her, and uh, she, like, throws off Buffy by saying Angel sends his love or whatever. And it really throws off her game. Yeah, like, and this leads Xander to having to stake uh, Teresa. With... And I love this. It's one of my favorite kills. And it's a kill that will make it into the opening credits. Um, he yep. stakes her with the um, conveniently pointy, like, uh, tripod that no, no, easel so thing. I, no, no. So what I think it was is that um, Buffy broke, Buffy knocked that down, broke one leg of it off, leaving a sharpened end on there. Oh, uh, okay. So she tried, but, like, Teresa knocked that away while she, like, um, flustered Buffy. And so I think Xander just took what was left and then stabbed her. And it's great. Like, uh, I'm loath to say it, but great job, Xander. (laughs) And actually, this is one of my complaints from this episode comes pretty much immediately after. Because I think it's, I'm not going to blame Xander for this. I am going to blame the writers. I think it's out. uh, It does not, um, (laughs) that's not the beer I wanted. Oh. I wanted more of the snake cake. <laughs> I just texted... Thank you for your efforts, John. I just texted John to bring us the bottle of beer. <laughs> but he brought the wrong beer. Uh, um, but um, after saving Buffy, so points to you, Xander. I just... You did great. He... And he even says, like... Um, well, it's what, such a great support. Like he's never going to stop. And and Xander surprisingly says, like, he's not the... The guy you used to know. Oh, well then bring me the other cores. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just like... Just be nice to your husband. Gosh. <laughs> I'm just like abusing his love right now. I'm just like... Um, no, yeah, he says he's not the guy you knew. Which, not only is that such a great supportive thing to say to a friend who's going through an awful time, but also shockingly mature from Xander I Hate Angel Harris. Yeah. Like... And then this hug lingers, and then Buffy walks away, and he goes... There's, like, a point where it looks like they might even kiss. Yeah, I I hate it. I'm not going to blame Xander for this. I think it was... I don't think it should be there. I think it's... I I just don't like it as a moment. And, And I agree with Xander when he, like, is like... Oh, my life's not too complicated. I'm like, you're right, Xander. The writers are fucking you over right here in this scene. Yeah, it's like, okay, so you're you have your you have whatever you have with Cordelia, um, but you're also pining. Or you're also, um, uh, <laughs> I just you're, you're also um, you're also like um, moaning after uh, Willow, and of course, oh yeah, don't forget 
He also has latent feelings for Buffy, which I think Willow brings up later. Like, man, it used to be so easier when guys tell you, um, when guys told you they like you, they just punch you on the arm and go back to your friend, go back to their friends, and then like Xavier shows up, punches Buffy. That was earlier in the episode, but yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I recognize that when you have feelings for a person, they don't just go away. Yeah. But. You shouldn't be actively encouraging them. Yeah. And I just, I also just, I feel like the Xander is into Buffy thing was always one of the weakest parts of the first season. Mm-hmm. And I, I just don't love that it is continuing here in an episode that didn't need it. It doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't lead to anything. It doesn't matter. And I yeah. just, I find that moment frustrating. And once again, I'm not going to hold Xander accountable for this. Xander is a tool of the writers and he can only do what they tell him to. Um, so I'm looking at you, Rob De Hotel. I'm looking at you, Dean Batali. Um, but moving on. So, um, Kane is making silver bullets. And we actually looked this up because uh, Jason was incredulous that you could melt silver with a Bunsen burner. Um, it didn't look like a strong flame, I'm going to say. Fair. That. Totally fair. But we looked this up. Jason did his research. Um, and I'm going to look it up again. Um... The melting point of silver is 1,763 degrees Fahrenheit, and um, Bunsen burners can get up to, and I think it does probably depend on the type you have and the quality, but can get up to 2,700 degrees Fahrenheit, so I, it is possible. I, I would assume that uh, Kane would spring for the A best good one. one, because like, he's, he's using be it solely silver. for this purpose of melting silver. Right. Um... Willow takes Buffy's advice, goes to talk to Oz, and she, I love this scene. I <laughs> love it. She goes in and she's like, I wrote a speech, but it didn't make any sense, she, so I'm going to wing it. She tries to, like, be forthcoming in the most Willow way possible. She's so Willow. She's and as honestly, Willow as she could possibly Willow. There is nothing like a, a nerdy introvert, like, trying to be... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like assertive? Yeah, trying to be assertive. Like, she says, damn it. She goes, damn it, you don't yes, listen to me. <laughs> yes, that is, like, if written well, that is some of the best, like, high school comedy you can get. Oh, it's so good. Ever. It feels very realistic because she's rambling, and she even says at one point, she's like, yeah, the written version sounded pretty good right now. <laughs> and then she's, um, he's like, I'm going through some changes. She's like, we all are going through changes. <laughs> like, Blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, and why do you have chains? And then Oz is like, because I may be bad, but I'm perfectly good at it. Sex in the air, I don't care, I love the smell of it. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but chains and whips excite me. Excite me. I've been sitting on that joke for a while. I, I literally so glad you went there. I literally had the when we started like recording, I pulled up the lyrics to S and M so I could be prepared for that. Uh, <laughs> but then he turned that's, into that's a werewolf. Two musical breaks you guys had. This episode. Congratulations. Um, maybe we'll do a musical episode one day. Hey, I like it because I have auditions in two days for musicals. Uh, so. That should be your warm up and your audition song. <laughs> I've got one picked. Uh, ironically, for. Heathers, which we've been referencing throughout this episode. Oh, what are you singing? Um, I'm thinking of doing our Love is God. Oh, good song. Um, I think that's like a good... I'm out. If you all can't tell, I'm feeling a little under the weather right now. I feel like I've got like a little bit of a cold. Oh, you sound fine. Um, oh, thanks. 
Um, I had none of this. But the, uh, thank you. But uh, I think this one, like, does well with, like, my range and... Um, yeah, those auditions are coming up. I was listening to the cast recording of Heather's today. Dude, I was doing that this morning when I had to check up, <laughs> when I had to do stuff related to my job. I probably shouldn't talk about my job because, uh, you know, the whole thing of, like, not sharing what you do currently you on, make, on the podcast. You make Orfiana talk... Maslani's. You make Tatiana Maslani's. That was my previous star job. of Orphan Black. <laughs> so your old job, you were like a DNA sequencer or something? Yes, my old job, I worked at a lab where we sequenced DNA samples. <laughs> you know, the actress, Oriana Maslani. <laughs> For fuck's sake. <laughs> that beer is strong. Shit, that beer is strong. <laughs> <laughs> Have I ever told you about our Lord and Savior, uh, Sarah Michelle Seller? <laughs> All right, so back on track. Uh, Oz turns into a werewolf. Willow has her second fantastic horror movie scream. Um, and so is that actually Allison Hannigan screaming, or do you think it, it like sounds it? like it? Yeah. I mean they sometimes you do get um, actors in horror movies will have their screams dubbed if um, and it's frequently if the um, if they can't get their voice high enough or sometimes it's to prevent the actor from just fucking over their vocal cords having to do it over multiple takes Um, but it sounds like Allison Hannigan and at this point in the show I can't imagine that one, Allison Hannigan would have had the clout to be like, I need a scream double. Yeah. Or that the show would have the budget to hire one. Mm-hmm. I mean, did you see the fucking werewolf costume? We actually, we haven't really delved into this goddamn werewolf costume. It's so, awful. Obviously, you all can see that werewolves will continue throughout the series, seeing as how Oz is not dead at the end of the episode, mm-hmm. but very much a werewolf. So, werewolves will be on the show for a while. Um, and here's the thing. As much, as bad as you think this werewolf costume looks, it is It gets worse. worse. It yeah, gets I, worse. They, cha- they inexplicably change, you know, I... We'll bring this up later. This is, uh, obviously we're talking about a future stuff, but this is not a future plot point. This is just a future costume. But they inexplicably change the design of the werewolf and in season three. And it looks... So, like, this one doesn't look great, but it looks like a wolf. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I look at that and go, yeah, it doesn't look great, but it looks like a werewolf. The the design they come up with for season three that becomes, like, the werewolf design is horrendous. Yeah. I detest it. It's one of those things where, like, I, I'm really against the Buffy remaster, but I do think if they do another remaster, they should go in and CGI the fuck out of that <laughs> werewolf costume. Because it is grotesque I hate it <laughs> and not grotesque in a good way like I just I look at it and I'm like am I supposed to be scared of that yeah there's like there, there's camp and then there's just sad yeah it's not good um, but yeah um, Oz and his werewolf horn chases after Willow as as one is apt to do um, but he stops because his attention is drawn elsewhere this leads Willow to run to uh, Buffy and Giles who are currently working with a uh, 
with a trank gun, mm -hmm. and uh, she makes her be like, it's Oz, it's Oz. And the thing that drew Oz's attention later, what the thing that drew Oz's attention away is that Kane is there, mm -hmm. his gun at the ready, to um, he's he has like a what meat of some kind there. Something he's got yeah. werewolf paint. Um, real quick, Willow has a great line where she goes, "I was talking to Oz, and he was telling me that he was going through all these changes, and, and then, then he went through all these changes." changes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I love it. That's that. That's just like. To me, that that is one of those great like summations of how good the writing on the show is because that's fucking funny, without cutting into the tension. And I feel like if any other character delivered that besides Willow, it would oh. have been funny. Oh yeah, um, I do think the show generally is really good at writing for specific voices, except for Xander. Okay, <laughs> no, actually, yeah, no. I think Xander speaks in a very no, specific no, it, it's true. voice. It's true. Um, I was just making like a reference to what you said earlier about the writer screwing over Xander. Oh, that's fair. Um, so, yeah, basically, every involved person. So Giles, Willow, uh, Buffy, and Kane, and Oz as a werewolf yeah. can kind of converge. Um, Buffy is struggling with Oz. Zan Giles, I keep saying Xander, goddammit. Uh, Giles is trying to aim, but it's a struggle, so she, he doesn't want to shoot Buffy. Yeah. Um, and then... Buffy gets thrown by the werewolf onto Giles. Onto they Giles. all fall down a pile. The werewolf comes towards them, and Willow takes the shot. But... Willow has her eyes closed. And I know, I get it. I understand that she's about to shoot her boyfriend. And she even says, I shot Oz. Take the shot, Willow. But she literally, like, gun safety, Willow. You do not point a gun and shoot it with your eyes closed. That's, like, literally rule number one. Yeah. Um, but fine. Um, Kane says a bunch of misogynistic shit. And he's like, oh, you're a little girl. And Buffy just bends his gun. She pulls a Superman. It's so badass. Like, um, remember when we were talking about bad eggs when um, Buffy does her stare down with uh, Lyle Gorge? And I was like, yeah, it's fucking badass that all Buffy had to do was, like, stare this vampire down. But it's a waste on this fucking vampire. This felt better where she bends his gun and then she's like, get the fuck out of my also, town. Also, let's try not to bring up Lyle Gorch ever again. <laughs> I know it's going to happen. I know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, she's just like, get the fuck out of Sunnydale. And even says, like, no wonder there's so many monsters running around here. No one has the guts to kill him. And I'm like, she kills them all the time. Just it happens. What show do you think you're on? It just happens that that monster was her friend, and the other monster was her boyfriend. So, um, a lot of conflicted feelings going on. <laughs> right now. Um. So at school the next day, we get we see the new and improved Larry. Um, and he's just I like new and improved yeah. Larry. He has some reparations to make. Yeah. You know. Um. Which, uh, I was talking about that with someone earlier. I, I hate the, um, the like, reformed racist trope. He's like, oh, I saw the error of my ways. Not because I don't think people can change. It's because I, I do think people can change. But frequently, fiction just portrays that as happening instantaneously yeah. with the person not doing anything to right the wrongs. 
Um, it's one of the reasons I have a big problem with um, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Yeah. Is that Sam Rockwell, wonderful performance, but his character is just like, oh, I'm not a racist anymore, and then never does anything to make reparations to the people he harmed. And we do see Larry, we see Larry doing that. It's small, but we see him helping uh, uh, someone, uh, one, a girl pick up her books. Mm-hmm. We see him promising to keep Xander's secret. Obviously, he doesn't know that Xander's not gay, but it's still, you know, these are good actions that I think he's deliberately, and maybe I'm reaching, but he's deliberately taking to, you know, redress the wrongs he did. Yeah, and I am, I always, I'm a firm believer in if somebody is trying to make reparations and is penitent about them and is genuine about them, Mm -hmm. that take them for it. Like, I know people love holding grudges and hell, I'd say even a year ago, I was probably one one of those people who Likes holding a grudge yeah, more than you're awful. More than moving to forgive. Thank you. Um, but I like to think that uh, that I really have become a firm believer. Maybe it's because I probably have plenty of reparations to make as well. But um, I feel like if somebody is trying, yeah, then you can't don't deny them that because then you're the bad person in that. I agree up to a point. Yeah, I. I well, do I mean, think that... There are some actions that you yeah. can't make reparations for. I think I, I think it's twofold. I think every person can become a better person. I watched The Good Place, so... Um, and, I, and I do think that they can make reparations for their actions. But I also recognize that no person who has been harmed or That's abused true. has, you know, and I, I, has any... You know, if they want to forgive the person who caused them harm, then that's great for them. But I don't feel like anyone is obligated, no matter how much yeah. that person changes, to forgive them. Right. It's I, it's I would say that they're not obligated to forgive them, but at the same time, um, I would say that if you continue to go out of your way to hold a grudge toward them while they're trying to be better, then... That's fair. I yeah I don't things are very complicated. Yes, it's 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 complicated, Um, and the uh, the situations that I'm referring to in my life probably like aren't as complicated as it can be. Yeah, but um, but no, like if if well, there's layers too. There, you know, it's you know some things that you can do to a person are objectively worse than others. Yes, so. yeah, so... I'm sorry for, like, constantly using this podcast as a way to bear my torch. Holy shit, though. I, honestly, we are... This episode got deeper than I expected. I it literally... This is like the werewolf episode. So, at the beginning, before we started recording, I even said to Jason, I was like, oh, yeah, what, this would be a quick one. Like, this will not... Like, we don't have a lot to talk about, and apparently we did. But yeah. I'm glad. I feel like this has been a worthwhile discussion. Um, Willow... <laughs> uh, so yeah, Larry thanks Xander for keeping a secret. Xander does some more gay panic, and this time it, I find it a little less excusable than the first time. The first time I could at least be like, "Well, he was 
unprepared. He was, you know, he went in ready to accuse him of being a werewolf and got this whole other thing that yeah, he wasn't um, prepared for. And Xander is, this is when the Chatteler comes in for Xander. You almost made it the whole episode without a Chatteler. You were doing great, but you saw that void and you yeah. just had to fill it. Um, oh, and he also, like, he just having made the rant a little while ago in surprise about oh what kind of life could Buffy have with Angel? Oh yeah, he does he it again does for the Willow. Exact same rant with Willow and Oz, and is really like like infantilizing about. He basically calls Oz a dog. Yeah, which is I I don't know as a I, maybe dog is like like a racial slur to werewolves. Like it is it is it's insulting like so sorry xander you almost were without a chat alert but but here you are there you go we, we got that chat alert sound um but then we get just the final scene of the episode willow goes to talk to oz she's like so so what you know there are three days out of the month that i'm not super fun to be around so guys <laughs> apparently um being a werewolf is equivalent to menstruation um have you ever seen Ginger Snaps? I think you may have told me about okay. it. Okay. Um, werewolves and Menstruation. Th- that is a, a movie that comes to mind, but I know there's another one. Werewolves and Menstruation. Well, I know that Menstruation is, like, associated with the moon. Like, it's called moon blood. Right. So I know that there is, like, that... That's not an uncommon trope yeah. when, you have, when you're dealing with... Um, with female werewolves. Right. That, um... They're and, called she-wolves. Ah, <laughs> I will um, never not make that reference. Like, if they're, like, she-wolves <laughs> in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, ah, that's gonna come out. Perfect. Just like Larry. God damn, I love Shakira. <laughs> um, but she just has this great... She's like, I accept you, werewolf or human, whatever, it's all good, just no biting. Which... Because apparently in this lore, um... A human who is a werewolf, their bite still transfers lycanthropy, as I think we can assume that Cousin Jordy was in human form when he bit Oz, otherwise Oz would not have had to have confirmed yeah. that he was a werewolf. Um, oh my gosh, have you ever seen, seen the movie, um, oh shit, what was it called? Um... Give me a plot. Give me a guess. Okay, I, I feel like you haven't because it's it's a it's a an Argentinian film. Um, wow, way to think that my that my it's that my scope of the world is so <laughs> small. It's obscure. Um, so I listened to this podcast called Horror Queers, which um, listeners, if you are queer or if you're straight and you like horror, I really recommend Horror Queers. They are a um, they're a really great podcast. And they did an episode on this movie that is called the, uh, it's called Good Manners. Um, and it's a Brazilian werewolf movie, but it's about like a baby, like it's this woman who's pregnant with a werewolf and like a baby where it's like baby Yoda, but baby werewolf. So I- and the baby werewolf is so fucking cute. So I'm going to reference uh, another show that is not Vampire Diaries, but actually it's uh, Being Human. Um, Ooh, I've never watched that, but I've heard it's the, very uh, good. The American version. I, I've seen nothing of the 
of the British version, which was originally, which like was the original version. Right. But um, there is something like so much of that in. Uh, okay. In that, and I actually never saw the ending of that episode, but I remember it being the ending of that show. But I remember it being like very heartfelt. Um, it was kind of like Chuck, how um, they knew that the end was coming mm. and it was going to be their final season, so they actually met, the cast made a video thanking all the fans. Oh, uh, I love that. Yeah. Um, also, I got to meet the cast of Being Human, believe it or not. Uh, cool. At a fandom fest. Like, my dad um, my dad loves Sam Witwer in Smallville. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, um, he plays the vampire of the cast, plays Aiden. And um, he, uh, and like the three of them were together at a convention that we went to to meet the cast of Star Trek The Next Generation. And uh, so we decided to like sit on, on their panel and like, and... My dad had so much fun at that convention, That's and so he cool. loved like just getting to meet them. Your he dad is like the, the nicest guy. I I love my dad. We actually went house hunting um, earlier today, and buy the one with the pool, Jason. So I'm going to tell you about that later. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so in the final moments of the episode, Oz and Willow kiss. And actually, it's more fair to say Willow kisses Oz. Yeah. Which is, um, I love seeing this growth of Willow's confidence. And we end the episode on Oz after Willow walks away saying, A werewolf in love. (sighs) What? It's just so like... Uh, I don't like that line. It's so cheesy. Like, it's fun cheesy, but it's also cheesy cheesy. Yeah. Um, you know, there's been some serious shit going on this episode, fair. so let's go with the cheesy. Fair. Um, and you know what? I'm okay with... Um, that's honestly why I like watching rom-coms every now and again. Um, some of my favorite movies are rom-coms. I absolutely love 13 Going on 30. Even though, like... Um, rom-coms can be like the cheesiest thing ever like they all have the same basic plot but i love that you know there are times when you can kind of like sometimes all you want to do is see like a couple get together yeah especially when they're as fucking cute as oz and willow yeah Um, or mark ruffalo and jennifer garner you get two mentions in this podcast, baby. Jennifer Gardner, you cleaned it up this week. Hell yeah. Um, so yeah, so that is, um, that's, that's phases. Um, named, of course, after the phases of the moon. Um, so yeah, I mentioned this at the beginning. I, I like this episode. I feel like sometimes it gets overlooked. I don't think it's perfect. I've obviously we had a much some deeper dive than I was expecting. Me too. I, I, I also completely forgot about um, about Larry coming out, and that's like I had forgotten about it too until he showed up on screen, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's Larry." A thing. Um, so I had an idea, something I want to start, and I actually had this idea um, before. Uh, but I felt like Innocence was not the right episode emotionally to start it on. And then that episode ran two hours, so I was like, yeah. let's, let's not, not do anything else. But in keeping with the theme, um, we're gonna. I want us to start playing a game for every episode. Oh, and it's okay. the Buffy drinking game, where each of us will come up with the rules of a drinking game that relates to the episode we just watched. All right. Okay? So... Um, for me, my drinking game for phases 
is take a drink every time a man is a misogynist. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> Sip beer, please. Don't take shots because we don't want to be we don't want to be responsible for any alcohol poisoning that could happen. Uh, the creators of Booze and Buffy would like you to drink responsibly. Remember, it's just a game. Um, so what would what would your drinking game for phases be? Um, God, you took the best one. Uh, I guess. Um, you know what? Anytime Xander makes a does something good in this episode, because it actually happens more frequently than it should. Yeah, you, I feel like if you played that game, you wouldn't get fucked up, but you would get a nice buzz, and you'd feel good about it too, <laughs> yeah. because it's like. Hey, I'm going to celebrate this with a little... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, that being said, next week... Oh, oh we're going to have a lot. In full. We're going to have a lot to talk about. Get your chat alert ready, everybody. All right. Um, anything else to say about, about phases? I give it... Um, I give it a uh, third quarter and... Uh, full moon. Okay. I'm gonna... I'll give it a waxing Guinness. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna give this episode, I think, three and a half... Smiley face backpacks. <laughs> yes! Yes! I'm giving this episode three and a half smiley face backpacks. <laughs> um, also, I had one note on the music. Um, it, it Midway through the episode, I think, um, it's while... I can't remember exactly when it happens, but um, we hear part of the um, the music we hear is also the music on the DVD menu. Um, it's the, like, so I'm very familiar with the music of all of the DVD menus because I used to watch Buffy like when I first got the DVDs. I would watch it as I would go to go to bed, so I'd wake up at like four in the morning with the goddamn menu music <laughs> playing. And in particular, the season two and season four menu musics were really soothing. So it was, like, easy to sleep through them. So they just, like, seeped into my brain. Um, season three has a more metal vibe to it. So that was... Oh, yeah. Um, um, also, just... We mentioned there were several callbacks in this episode. There was also a callback to I, Robot, Eugene. Where, um, when Buffy's kind of down on herself for letting Teresa yeah, be killed. Yeah, I made a, like, slight comment about that, but I think we moved on fairly quick because so much was happening. That so thing. much was happening. But yeah, um... He, he references how... Buffy, Buffy's down on herself because she, in her feelings, let, um, Teresa, Teresa get yeah. killed. And, actually, I do want to briefly touch on this because we, we did actually kind of move past this pretty quickly. The fact that originally Buffy is upset because she thinks she let the werewolf get away and the werewolf killed Teresa. And the truth, in Buffy's eyes, is much worse. Yeah. She let Angel get away and Angel killed Teresa. Mm -hmm. um, and she says as much. She says, he's like, oh, this is good. She wasn't killed by the werewolf. And she's like, no, she was killed by something worse. And, and, and Xander says, you're right. There is no good here. Yet another good moment of Xander, like, yeah. recognizing Take that. Take a drink. Um, <laughs> but in comforting her, he does say, like, you failed, yeah, you, you failed to save Teresa. But, like, like people, it, people would be lined up five deep, um, 
mm-hmm. getting getting buried in the ground if not for you. Yeah. Like Willow would be married to the Robbie the robot. To Robbie the robot, and uh, Xander wouldn't have a head, which um, which I think is a reference. It's probably a teacher's pet reference. Okay, yeah, because like, they the, eat the head. So, yeah. yeah. Praying Mantis eats the head of them. So, yeah, so we had four season one callbacks. We had the pack. We had teacher's pet. We had iRobot Eugene. And we had... What am I missing? Or is that it? I think that's it. Oh, no. We had Rich. We, um, oh, yeah, right. The, uh, the trophy. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, that's... Phases. Um, I, I think I've said everything I have to say about phases. I think it's a, you know, it is one of the middle of the road episodes, but I think it's one of the one of the better standalone episodes. And um, I, I love everything Willow and Oz. I think it's just so cute. They do yeah. such a good job. Toads doors. Um, yeah. Anything else on your end? Nope. Cool. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We will be back next week with. Bewitched, bothered, and bewildered. I'm so excited. I fucking love this episode. <laughs> it's a pretty good one. Uh, I'm Orfiana Totlotti. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at yamij357, uh, Y-A-M-I-J-A-Y. And I'm... Oh, sorry. Uh, and I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's C-O-F-F-M-A-N. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy, or you can email us at boozeandbuffy.gmail.com. Yes. You can also find us on YouTube, where we will release a short video with each episode where we will discuss spoilers that we cannot talk about on the podcast. Also, please, please don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Spotify, iHeartMedia, Stitcher, the Google Play, the other ones. <laughs> um, each week we like to give a shout out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. This week we're highlighting the International Wolf Center. I felt it was appropriate. No, no, that's a good, good choice. <laughs> the International Wolf Center advances the survival of wolf populations by teaching about wolves, their relationship to wildlands, and the human role in their future. Visit wolf.org for more information. I love wolves. Wolves are pretty awesome. They're pretty awesome. All right. Well, without further ado, go slay and be gay. Uh, woo! <laughs> Beautiful.